Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Well, England wanted a test, and now they have it. Three top-class opponents over the next week, and first up, the Olympic champions. They go short once more, and Canada's still not ready. And in he goes, and Sheridan pushes it away, and bites! That is stunning for the centre-back! He's in full flow now, gliding across the pitch, heights him up, helps it on, Becky, time to cut inside, and go there, Becky, Canada's second best in this game, but a reminder of their quality. What an excellent goal that is. Welcome to Upfront on Football Ramble Presents. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. This week, we get stuck into plenty of international football. The Lionesses hold Canada and Spain in two tough tests of their Euros credentials. Rachel gives us the inside track on the Arnold Clark Cup. Plus, we take a look at the new-look US side and preview the return of the FA Cup this weekend. So the Arnold Clark Cups got underway. Um, really funny because someone I was chatting to uh, thought that Arnold Clark was a, like a patron say at the women's football and didn't realise it was a car dealership. So that was a funny little story. Um, but we have our women on the inside, uh, our spy on the inside of Arnold Clark Cup. Rachel joining us live from somewhere in the Midlands. <laughs> I am. I'm in a hotel in uh, Wolverhampton. Firstly, I want to shout out your alliteration at the uh, intro. I thought that was very impressive. It was a trick. It was um, a trick from producer Charlie, and I passed the test. 
Yeah, I was impressed with that. Um, I also realise I've been praying to the patron saint of nobody now, Arnold Clark. It's just been such a waste of my time. <laughs> been at the altar of Arnold Clark. Nothing's <laughs> happened. Um, so, yeah, what, what, what's the hotel like first? That's the big question is, what's your hotel like? I think this is probably the nicest one we've been in, actually. Ooh. It's quite nice. Big hotel. Nice room. Uh, I've got myself a little desk here, which is swiveled out. So I was very impressed with that. Um, and breakfast so, yeah. buffet? Haven't had breakfast yet, so drove back from Norwich yesterday morning, home to London, and then did a night in London, so drove up early this morning, so I can feed back on that tomorrow morning. Yeah, let let me know how the buffet is. I really like to compare breakfast mm. situations at hotel. Um, so let's park the buffet chat for a little bit, talk about the tournament itself, uh, what you've been working on, what have you been doing um, kind of behind the scenes, getting soaked on the side of the pitch kind of vibes, what you've been up to? Um, so Soph and I have been running the social media channels for the Arnold Clark Cup so get following guys um, and I'm also the official tournament photographer so I've been pitch side um, for all the warm ups and all the match um, which has been great it's actually like my first time having that level of access which is great I get one of these great passes that says all access all areas which Love is cool nice. um, but yeah the weather in Norwich was pretty horrendous uh, I had to spend like two sets of two hours outside and it was raining sideways like it was proper torrential rain um so yeah that was pretty horrendous but yeah i've been really impressed with the tournament so far and the team so far and it's been closer than i think anyone really expected i was feeling very um very smug in Mm -hmm. the press box at carrow road sitting behind sophie uh, and we were covered and not getting wet um i was not jealous whatsoever that you were on the side of the pitch it was bad on sunday i think i felt even more smug just being at home you had a whole weekend uh, off <laughs> i did have a whole weekend off yes yeah, so i was watching it from the uh, the delight and comfort of my sofa having a few um, beers chilling out well it was the first time i've kind of got to watch live football on tv for a while so but i did spare you a thought rachel i did think oh god that that must be quite must bad be tough. it was a fleeting that brief thought, whatsapp thought, yeah yeah that brief whatsapp of oh yeah. look at rachel she's soaking Good luck. Move on. Yeah. Um, Really, really positively, I guess, outside of the performance itself from England, over 14,000 came in the door to watch that England-Spain game, which was massively impressive considering there were no trains running to Norwich on Sunday because I drove and I definitely would have got the train if I I didn't have to. Um, But still over 14,000 came in really horrible conditions as well. I was really impressed with the crowd. I thought they were a really good crowd. Yeah, and I thought as well the way they'd been seated around the stadium. I, I don't know, it just it, it, Norwich felt like a little bit of a, a more enclosed stadium than Middlesbrough. Yeah. So it, it gave a really nice atmosphere actually, um, and they were really loud. And like even when you know during the first game, the England game, fans have this new thing where they take out their phones and turn on the torches, and it's actually quite cool, especially in that kind of weather. It was really grim and just like all these lights coming around from the stadium. Um, yeah, it made for some great shots. But I was really impressed with the numbers, especially given the weather. Can I ask where has that weird trend come from? Because I think when they when I saw them do it at uh, maybe Southampton uh, for the for the game against North Macedonia, I was kind of cringing a little bit because I felt like I was at a One Direction concert. Where has this weird trend come from where people want to get their phones out and do like these little fairy light things? I don't know. The first place I saw it was She Believes and um, it was 2020 actually and they were doing a whole like light it up type thing. They also did it during the World Cup. I don't know if you remember um, before the semi-final they turned off all the lights and they were like it's you know the whole it's phrase was time to light thing. it up. I bloody knew it. Yeah. So, it sounds yeah, American. people were encouraged yeah. to do it. Well, so okay. I blame them. I mean maybe I'll get on board. If England win the Euros I'll get on board with it. Listen um, it makes for some great photographs. It's okay. Cool. Alright. Well, we'll trust you on that. Our resident photographer. Um... 
what I suppose was less enticing and less positive was the apparently 119 people that 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 came to the later game kicked off at 8:15 on a Sunday night. That is brutal. Um, obviously it was still raining sideways at that point as well. Uh, very cold and it did not look great on the television either. Um, I think this is something that we can really get stuck into in many ways because. We saw a few people on Twitter talking about it. And I think first things first, you have to say COVID changes a lot of things. COVID means you can't do as as kind of clean back-to-back games as you would because there's a certain amount of time you need to give where you need to clean the change rooms and do all that and you know have the staff change over and things like that. So ideally, you would put things close together because you can't because of COVID. So that's the first thing to say. Um, you obviously can't you can't predict the weather, unfortunately, and the UK is not known for its incredible weather, so that added an extra element of um, kind of crap to this. But I do think it's frustrating when you see how few people were in the building and the fact that tickets were sold separately for both games, which I think doesn't make sense to me because I feel like you should bundle them together and I've been to these sorts of tournaments before I went to one in Melbourne where you know you got a, a ticket to both games when you went that day and also a kickoff at 8.15 on a Sunday night not even the Premier League would dare put a game that late because they feel like people aren't going to watch it and I just feel like that was a mistake I feel like if you were going to do it on a Sunday like that you should put the England game at say one and then do the Canada game at like four or five or something like that and then you wouldn't lose too many but obviously we know that were a lot of kids there it was a Sunday before a lot of people went back for after half term as well you want to be tucked up in bed chilling out away from the rain not there so I I don't know Rachel you've obviously been on the inside track so you can give us a little more detail on it yeah, so I can, yeah, what you said about COVID is correct. There needs to be a minimum of three hours between full time of the first match and kickoff of the second. So that's unfortunate and nothing really you can do about that. But agree, 8.15 is quite late. Um, I also think like I saw a lot of stuff about people complaining about games being on a Thursday at 2.15 or whatever. And, you know, you've got a very small window for international football. So you're going to end up having games on two weekdays. And it's the same in every other tournament that's taking place. I don't see people complaining about she believes playing a game at two or three in the afternoon or the yeah, just how it works kicking off at 11 30 that's what happens you know so that element is a bit annoying because that happens everywhere um and you can't put whatever six six games in one weekend um it's just not going to work that way so uh yeah there there are some elements that i think could be improved next year and i think looking hopefully next year we won't have the COVID issues either so kickoffs can be a bit closer together and I think the rain didn't help either so even that hanging around between games yeah, you can't really go out around and, there yeah but you can't even wander into the town because you're going to get absolutely drenched so a couple of factors that I think were outside of their control in that respect but yeah I think you know more pushing for games that aren't the England games would be good you know I know the teams wanted people there that I think that probably would have been nice for them to have a few more fans in the crowd cheering for them. So, um, yeah, that was a shame. But there was a, a Canadian couple who travelled over from Toronto, which I was really impressed with, to to see the the game. So that was that was pretty cool to see. That's hardcore. I mean, Chloe, what's the smallest crowd you've played in front of? Because 119 is is bad by like I know Dulwich in the fifth tier get got double that on the weekend. So that's really bad. Uh, what's the smallest crowd you've played in front of? I mean, Dallas has, ha- they do have some very diehard fans yeah, over that way. Really big um, 
The smallest crowd? I mean, it'd be embarrassingly low. I mean, when I first started playing for Tottenham, it was literally one man and his dog coming to see. And I think the he only goes to loads of games. What a, what a dog. What a dog. Yeah, he was he was running all dog. game. He was like, there's only one Chloe Morgan. <laughs> oh, I remember that dog fondly. Old, <laughs> old Yella, that was his name. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was literally friends and family who would turn up. So it was like my mum and dad and a couple of the other players, mums and dads. So probably about 20 at best. Um, yeah, obviously the crowds have improved, but I think, you know, that game was a difficult game to sell. You're not going to have any travelling fans, apart from obviously the two diehard Canadian Toronto fans crew. that came over. But, you know, that amalgamation of the weather, you know, it's a lot of the, the you know, the people are kind of going to come and see those games. Our family, you know, they're, they're going to have that distance to travel. I don't think the transport links are that great. So, you know, I don't blame there for being, a, you know, 119 attendance. Yes, it's poor, but also yeah, I think it's to be expected. Yeah, and it's interesting, actually, because I know Janine Becky said she was quite disappointed with the 6,000 that turned up to the Riverside for the England-Canada game. So I don't think she thought of the 120 <laughs> that turned up for that game the other night. Um, but let's get on to the football, because we can talk about that stuff all day. But I do think, obviously, it's the first year as well, like you said, Rachel, this. So teething problems, always room for improvement. People have certainly given their feedback, and I think hopefully having to not worry about COVID so much next year um, would make things a little bit better. But let's get on to the football, because... Evidently, Spain could not do it on a wet, windy afternoon in Norwich. And England were actually kind of blessed with the weather because it made things difficult and they put on a very good performance, in my opinion. I think they've been really consistent, England. I think in the both two games, that's what I've noticed, is the consistency. And I think defensively, we've been very, very strong. And I think, obviously, Bright has been one of the big key players in the defensive back line. Uh, Leo Williamson, obviously, for the first game, obviously wasn't starting against um, Spain, but came on. Um, but I just, I, I just found them. I, yeah, I think that's what I found is that England seems to have found a bit of form. Um, but what I loved was there was consistency despite there being so many changes in the squad. And obviously there was nine players that were starting in the Spanish game that weren't in the in the Canadian game. And I thought the players that did um, start in the in the Spanish game, I thought they were fantastic. Um, yeah, I thought the squad rotation that that Serena. Um, had put in place was was phenomenal. I think we were speaking about it before that you know Serena she loves consistency, but it was such a good opportunity to see some of the the younger players um, stepping up. Um, you know, I'd like to see maybe even more squad rotation happening for the the game against Germany. And we're still not seeing Zellum. Um, it was surprising I think that Roebuck didn't start that game. So um, maybe yeah, a bit more rotation to come perhaps. Rachel, obviously you were pitch side, so you got the the best view of all. Really kind of tight to the action. What was your take on the game? Because I thought England were really impressive. Yeah, it feels like they have an identity now and, and Wiegmann's style is kind of started starting to be seen, if you like. Um, we couldn't really get a, a handle on that during the qualifying matches. So I think, yeah, these kind of tests have actually helped hugely for that. Um, they're much more confident in possession. Oh my God, like there wasn't that same panic that we've seen under Phil Neville. Um, and they're also really confident out of possession, which I think we saw against Spain. I thought they did brilliantly out of possession, particularly in the second half. Um, so that was one thing I was really impressed with. I, I find them much more adaptable to styles. I think under Phil Neville he used to be quite rigid with his styles even though he said he, he wasn't he was um, and I think you know you see that with nine changes they adapted really well you know I'd say many people looked at that starting lineup and thought we were going to be in trouble um, against Spain but it seems like everybody knows the brief um, and I think the fact that like Serena has talked about formations are quite fluid you know so whether that's having you know a double pivot or a single pivot like we did in the, in the second game or two sixes or two eights or you know 
I think we've had three at the back and four at the back. Um, but the team seems to know the brief. So when things change, it doesn't seem to fluster them. And I think that's really like really what's the what's the word i know i'm, I'm confident it makes me confident watching the team yeah I, I i certainly agree and i think it's so impressive to see what they did having those nine changes which would disrupt any team playing against a spain team that was pretty much the same starting 11 that played it in in the previous game who have played together a lot probably their best 11 um and england were unfazed by it. i mean you had rachel daly playing at left back Obviously, we know she plays up front for, for for the dash, but then she drops into right back predominantly for England. But she was playing at left back, which I think she's maybe played a handful of times, if that. A centre-back partnership that have never played together before in Carter and Greenwood. Um, Greenwood, who obviously we know can play at left back as well. Carter, part of a back three that have struggled a little bit um, for Chelsea this season. But everyone just looks so comfortable and confident. I was really, really impressed with, with how England did. And Jill Scott was just cleaning up, Immense. munching on anything that Spain brought towards her. And I think the conditions really did help England in that way. But I suppose came away from that game feeling like I did against Canada, which was they've got to take their chances, don't they, Rachel? Yeah, but I, I think looking at that, I, I'd be much, I'm much happier coming out of a game knowing the things that need to be fixed are in our control. So like you could have been completely dominated and switched off. And, you know, we've seen it in the past where they don't keep concentration. And, you know, the things that need to be fixed are things like holding your run just a second longer, being more effective in front of goal. And these are all things that I think you can work on and harness before Euros. So I feel happier that the stuff that needs tweaking is very much in England's control. I think um, what I saw, that what I thought was most impressive about the, the performance um, against Spain was the sort of nullifying of the sort of Spanish threats. Um, I think in particular, you know, with bronze and Paris kind of doubling up on the wings, um, you know, nullifying that threat down there and sort of, you know, making sure they're not getting through. And I think even, you know, when you look at some of the, uh, I know there was a couple of errors made, there was a bit of a miscommunication, I think, between uh, Hannah Hampton and Carter. But despite that, and I think that was pretty much the only mistake really that, that was made, I thought they looked, you know, I think they looked confident. I think they looked strong. Um, and I think it was a very evenly matched game. And I think obviously going into that game, a lot of people expected, you know, Spain are probably going to have the upper hand here. But I think to come away with a draw, I think is a little bit disappointing for, for England. I think, like you were saying, given the result, uh, given the uh, the opportunities that, that were missed and I thought you know Ellen White definitely had a few a fair few chances and I she had that she... one-on-one where she slipped oh, oh. yeah it was um, it was yeah it was kind of like head and hands type moment stuff in the uh, in the final third but I think overall a draw is probably a, a fair a fairish result and goalkeepers union have to shout out Hannah Hampton because I was really bemused by um by her selection because I like you thought Ellie Roebuck was going to come in because a year ago, Hannah Hampton was uh, was really highly rated. It's not that she's not highly rated now, but she has struggled at Aston Villa this season. She has not had a good season at Aston Villa. And obviously, you know, a lot of a, a goalkeeper, as you would know, Chloe's best kind of tools are what's in front of her and her defence. And that Villa defence has been very shaky and, and sloppy at times. But since making that move, she she has looked a little bit fragile, made some mistakes. So when I saw her name on the T-sheet, I was like, this is a big big way to throw someone in for their debut like that is intense and she did not look phased whatsoever her distribution and this is why Srigan is such a genius and is so much better like you said Rachel than Phil Neville she obviously knows the Hannah Hampton's distribution is so good and that was a way that they could exploit Spain 
And the way that Hannah Hampton was pinging it around that pitch like she was Aaron Ramsdale or or or, or Pickford, it was incredible. She had such good... In that wind as well, I was so impressed with that and it was such a smart choice. The pass accuracy, I thought, was absolutely phenomenal. I think there was a couple of passes. I know exactly which ones you mean. It was a, it was a cheeky little side volley. Yeah, I think it was so, up and to it bronze. just like bent, it bent in the air. It was just so it was it was like, like delicious. I wanted to eat. It. I wanted to eat it. It, it was, was so good. I wanted to watch it over and over again. And yeah. I, I, I think I actually said to Elle, that, my girlfriend, I was like, "What just happened there? That was absolutely <laughs> phenomenal." We, so someone is... needs to clip them up and 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 share them on social media because they would definitely go viral because they were that good. But it was brilliant I think in terms of how the pass then affected the players. I think like you were saying that pass then created a great counterattack for us. So it was that kind of cause I don't think Spain was set in that moment. They weren't expecting that side volley to just swipe through half the field and start bronze off in her attack. So, you know, catching Spain out is going to be a, a that that was a fantastic facet of the game. What I noticed from being pitch side and being right next to the dugouts is you hear the managers or the, the coaching staff feeding out instructions um, to players and to goalkeepers, which I found amazing. So like, you know, at one point Germany made like a signal and then suddenly someone went down injured and they all came in for a huddle. So it's it's cool, like actually being able to see that. But one thing I noticed was there was a lot of that during the game with Hannah. Um, and at one point they were basically like no more short passes go long and it was coming towards the end of the game and I, I just you did then notice the difference because her distribution then went went longer and it was, it was that kind of over the top ball rather than trying to play through Spain which is never really going to work so it was cool to kind of get that little bit of insight yeah and I also loved what she said in the press conference about the fact that she obviously spent five years I think as a, as a kid in Spain so she knows fluent Spanish so she was kind of a little spy on the pitch as well um, and I was I was just blown away. I was really blown away. You mentioned that miscommunication you have, she had with Jess Carter. And, uh, you know, for Carter, she's had those moments this season. So you almost feel like communication with her could be a bit of an issue anyway. And they've never played together before. So Wiegmann rightly said in her post-match press conference, like those things come with time when you work with a goalkeeper. And I suppose that's the only thing for Wiegmann is now. We obviously, most of us went into this tournament thinking, oh, well, it's going to be Earps or Roebuck for the number one spot for the Euros. Now she's added a third person into the equation of serious contention for starting at the Euros. And you think, right, well, we need to now establish that communication, really get this group working together before the Euros to give England the best chance of having a really solid defence because you need especially with the goalkeeper, right, Chloe? You need to be playing with players that you work with quite a lot so that communication is down to a T. So I think it, that, that was the thing that was most surprising for me, I think, is that, is that because Earp started then on the, the game against Canada, I was expecting then Roebuck to start against um, Spain. I thought that was going to be the natural selection. You know, Spain are a really strong opposition. That was where I thought she was going to go. But I think that sort of shows the confidence that she has in trying to, you know, improve the um, experience of the younger players. And I think, you know, you've, you've really got to look at the future of England and where they want England to go and I think you know Hannah Hampton now has set herself up to be a big challenger for being a part of the squad for for the years to come and I think it's going to be interesting to see what the goalkeeper selection is going to be for the game against Germany now because are they just going to have one apiece and then she's going to take a view on who's going to start then in the Euros or is she going to look at those performances and think actually well based on what Hannah Hampton done which is start her debut with a with a clean sheet against one of the best teams in the world and think actually she's our uh, she's our first choice until proven otherwise. Yeah, word on on Spain as well. I mean, they're obviously a very good team. We saw we saw brief mo- moments where they did manage to get their rhythm and find those patterns of play that are so so good. Those kind of no look passes that Alexia Bateas does, where she just she she just knows where her teammates are. But just like England, it felt like they just didn't have that final bit, that final sort of 
ruthless mentality of being able to create a, a good enough opportunity to stick away. And, and Hampton did well as well to nullify that, as did Jill Scott, as did a lot of that midfield. Um, but they are still a very good team. Athenia as well, player of the match on Sunday. She had a brilliant game. Their movement, um, their passing is just is just sensational. And I suppose it's a it's a good thing for England to know that you can match them in that way, but also are sharing, I guess, the same problems, which Spain also had in that Germany game, which is just not putting away those opportunities. Yeah, I actually think Spain improved from their performance against Germany. Um, I found that in that first game, they were they obviously do a lot of flair, and we know the Spanish for their flair, and, and there were times that they would try and do one-touch passes or volley a pass rather than taking that extra touch, and it was unnecessary in that particular circumstance, and then they'd lose possession. Um, whereas in the England game, they kind of were much better in terms of when they timed the flair versus when they took that extra touch. Um, so I already saw improvements there in that second game so I feel like we'll probably see another improvement in the game against Canada um, and like I said this last week this is why I call them dark horses for the Euros not outright um, favourites is because they don't have a lot of major tournament experience and they haven't gone particularly far um, in major tournaments in the past so I think this tournament will be really great for them having that you know good opposition so close together um, and I think they'll learn a lot from each of the individual games. Yeah, interesting to see what happens in the final set of fixtures in the inaugural edition of the Arnold Clark Cup on Wednesday. Canada are going to be playing Spain and England will be playing Germany. If Canada beats Spain, they will take home that sweet, sweet trophy after they beat Germany on Sunday. So there's some maths to do if England beat Germany, but I'm just not, not going to in, get into it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because it is just you know, a made-up competition. And I know, obviously, it'll be a big achievement for England to, to come out on top in these teams. But in reality, it's all about prep for the Euros. So in the long term, this doesn't mean anything. But I think it's been a, a really great way to build excitement because I am hyped. I think I've tweeted now twice in the space of about five days that England are going to win the Euros because <laughs> I wasn't sure after the World Cup qualifier games because it's been impossible to judge. But man, the job that Serena Wiegmann's done with this team in the last five months or so, getting the best out of some of these players who I don't I don't think Phil Neville ever did, I think is sensational. And I am hyped. I'm excited. I'm waving my arms around. And uh, our guys, i got to ask you, are England going to win the Euros? Chloe? 100%. Sh- 100%? On. Wow. Okay, Rachel, are England going to win the Euros? Uh, I don't know if they'll win it, but I think they're going to go very far. Does far mean final or what? Yeah, I think they'll go one step further than they have in previous editions of major tournaments. But I think, you know, we can't look beyond other teams improving as well. So, Boo, other teams don't improve. What? Who do you think's <laughs> going to win it then? I don't know who's going to win it. I just, I, I, that's why I, I, I'm not 100% on England either. So I, I can't call it at the moment. Sitting well, on the fence. it's coming home sitting for me and fence. Chloe. It's... Listen, you know I love sitting on a fence, all right? Halfway out the door for, for Rachel. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakker. 15 grabbing my mate Sam. I was faced with the choice of legging it onto the other side of the fence or gallantly going back to help my friend. I returned to Sam and the quite pissed off police and my gallantry was rewarded as they advised me that I had been climbing into the zoo and would have landed in an animal enclosure. Listen to the Look at Pete show wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Luke and Pete show is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. So there has been other international football happening, although I'm sure like most listeners have been very focused on the Arnold Clark Cup. Uh, she believes, RIP, because England left the She Believes in its dust and now it's a shadow of its former self. Um, <laughs> so dramatic. As so the true. US has been playing, the Czech Republic, Iceland and New Zealand, those powerhouses of women's football coming together. Stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just any any opportunity to neg on on the US, I will take it. Um, it's been a bit of a weird one. I mean, it's been happening in LA, which has been delightful for the people who could get there, and uh, annoying for the rest of us who've been literally um, braving storms like Rachel's been like absolutely drenched for the past week. So that's a little bit annoying, especially as they used to hold it and on in the in the freezing cold of the East Coast sometimes. So... Um, but all in all, I think. Through the She Believes Cup, we've seen an extension of this real decline in the US at the moment. I know they're kind of in transition a little bit and follow a lot of US journos and US fans on my Twitter feed. And there's a little bit of kind of tension, a little bit of worry, a little bit of fear about where this where this team is going. Because that nil-nil draw with the Czech Republic did not go down well on my timeline. 
they were, you know, they were tricky to beat under Phil Neville um, for England. Uh, tricky little team. Look, there's never an easy time to transition, is there? And at, at some point, the golden generation, I mean, they've had a couple of golden generations, the US, but they're going to have to start phasing in new players. And, and this is kind of the right time to do it. Um, I know they have CONCACAF, but with us having the Euros, it's slightly different because this year is so incredibly important, whereas I feel like they have a little bit more breathing room. I just don't think there's an easy time to transition. You've also got a new manager. So this seems like the right time to start bringing in fresh blood. And he said that it's their opportunity to to give players a chance to stake their claim in the US team. Um, yeah, it's not the most amazing op- you know opposition, but it is going to introduce them to different styles of football. We know that America have struggled in the past to, to break down teams, so they're going to come up against that in these uh, in this opposition. Um, so it's still going to be a learning curve. I, I wouldn't panic if I was US fans. Um, but you also have to factor in that, like, I think the trajectory of the US team for so long was so stark. It's, it's going to peter out a little bit, and it's not going to be as kind of straight up as it has been in the past. And you have to factor in that you've got other people coming up behind you also investing in football. So it, it'll keep the pressure on the US team and the US, and domestic football in the US, I think, having the growth of football in Europe as well. I think having a look at some of the performances in um, the, the She Believes Cup from the US, I mean, obviously the draw against Czech, I don't think anyone was expecting that. But, you know, I was looking over the game and sort of, you know, it seemed to be a sort of tale of um, a lot of missed opportunities. And I found the team didn't look the sort of same confident self that we've seen them look in, in previous years. And I think obviously a big part of that, I think, is from the missing, you know, the big names, the Rapinos, the Press, the Morgans. And, and I think you're right, Rachel. I think there is a massive transition happening in terms of their sort of, you know, moving out of the, the old guard and starting to see sort of the fresh younger talent come in and, and be given those opportunities to play um, at international level. Um, you know, I see that the Rodman is sort of picking up a lot of um, a lot of sort of hype at the moment and rightly so because I think when she came on, um, you know, she injected quite a lot of energy and, and enthusiasm. You could hear the crowd go wild when her name was announced. So I think there's going to be sort of some new younger stars starting to come through and sort of be the, the breakthrough talent that the US needs. But um, I, I think you're right. I think there probably will be a bit of a decline maybe in performances while we see that kind of shift and, you know, that, that different players starting to come in. But um, but I think that will be a good thing. I do think that will be a good thing in, in, in the long run. Yeah, and the reality is a lot of those players that have brought them a lot of success are old. <laughs> so they can't be expected. I mean, Alex, Morgan barely played much over the last sort of two years. Um, neither is Megan Rapino, and they still. I mean, Rapino, you know, had a good-ish Olympic Games. She, she still delivered to to a certain extent. Um, but I think the reality is that these players are just going to be phased out a little bit. And I think at the moment they, you know, looking at their 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 squad is kind of like a mishmash of like players who have like sub. 100 caps, then players who have like sub 20 caps, players that are making their debut. And it's kind of trying to find the biggest blend of that and find that success. And I was chatting to a friend this morning, actually, about what I think is going to be really interesting for the US going forward is that they've been a, a country that has almost saved their best players from domestic football because of the way the end of a cell works. So a lot of the time we'll see the US players play their best football, the most football at a major tournament because a lot of them play sub-10 games for their clubs. Whereas now, the squad that they're going to be picking is going to be playing 20-plus games across the season and like everyone else in Europe, they're going to have more tired legs, going to have to deal with what comes with that. Whereas before, I feel like they've almost cultivated a, a squad where, where the US and international football is always the peak, is always the main focus and everything else filters down. 
Whereas now it's like they're going to have a squad that is more, much more traditional when it comes to kind of club football and, and, and what the season looks like into previous years. And I think it's going to be a bit of reality check to, to kind of work out how to peak at the same time when everyone's going to be like you. The other thing, like the other thing is worth pointing out is that this is exactly what these tournaments are for, right? Like, obviously everyone wants to go in and, and win them. Everyone wants to go in and win every game. But realistically, if you're not utilising these tournaments to give these young players a chance, to give them time playing together, when are you going to do that? It's too late to be doing it in, in qualifying matches or in, in major tournaments. So, you know, there is often, it's the same with England, when we have these tournaments and, and you try something new, everyone kind of panics um, and you may not, may not get the results you expect to get. You see it before every major tournament when England have friendlies right before a major tournament and more often than not lose. Um, and then everyone panics. But, you know, the coaches are utilising these tournaments for exactly what they are, which is essentially friendlies um, with a little bit more pressure. And it's the perfect time for these players to get in there, especially at home, feel the crowd, feel the, all of that hype and buzz. Um, and I think, you know, they will they will be maintain a kind of that stance in women's football as a powerhouse. I just think they'll be joined by a few others. Yeah, and, and we've been waiting for that for a very long time. So, sorry, guys, you can't have all the fun. Um, the last She Believes Cup games will be taking place on Wednesday as well. We've got New Zealand against Czech Republic. And shout out Rebecca Stop for New Zealand, who is back in the New Zealand setup after uh, her battle with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is an incredible story. Uh, and then we've also got the, the US playing Iceland. Iceland currently leading the She Believes Cup table. Um, but uh, if US beat them, US will win the trophy. But if Iceland draw with the US, they will take it home. So I think it would be doubly embarrassing if uh, Iceland draw with the US and Iceland win the She Believes Cup, especially as, you've got to say, just the nations that they're playing are much weaker in that little tournament now. So that would be really funny. And I think my timeline of US fans and journos would fully collapse into chaos. Um, you look so sinister when you're saying it. Like a <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, as much as... I respect uh, the US and, um, you know, I, I, Say that with a I bit really more feeling. have, I really like Alex Morgan and, and the stuff that I've read about her and what she's done for a lot of players and in the Bissell and what she did for Spurs when she was over here. That little tea thing will haunt me for a very long oh time. Oh my God, get God. over it. And Why? Like, I, the, the, not just that, but like that semi final in France was so painful, that, that defeat that any opportunity any opportunity for England to get one over or to see the US like struggle and fail a little bit I'm gonna so hold on I'm gonna want Iceland to win the game against the US because you're still bitter about Alex Morgan doing a T symbol yeah. Oh. What's right, wrong with well, that? Before, before people flood our timelines, I just want to say, US fans, hold on. You're going to be okay. Transitions happen. We've all been there. We lived through the Neville era. Like, you'll be all right. FA Cup's back again. Uh, it's weird as well because it's like international break that's been so full of like these lot of buzz, a lot of attention, a lot of big games. And then it's like, right, these players have to come back and get thrown into another comp competition that's very high stakes. Fifth round this weekend. We've got a lot of WSL uh, ties going on. But I think... 
there's two maybe two obvious big ones in terms of like size of teams. We've got Arsenal against Liverpool, which I think is really exciting, or Liverpool against Arsenal, should I say, which is really exciting. Um, I think that's going to be on FA Player, and then we've got the Manchester derby, certain to have another Caroline Weir screamer, which is going to be the BBC's pick for the weekend, and then we also got a shout out. Ipswich versus Southampton. Um, they are both in the National League South. They're currently first and third in that tier. They've already played each other twice, I think, this season. So they know each other very well. But it obviously means with that game that there is going to be one third tier side into the last day of the competition, which is brilliant because I think that's just showing the growth of women's football and the way that that's trickling down. But we also obviously need the prize money to trickle down as well. But that's for another day. Um, any things that you guys are looking forward to this FA Cup weekend, Chloe? I think that game's a must-watch, the Ipswich and Southampton. So I think the... I mean, it's amazing that you've got a third-tier side that's going to be entering this stage of the competition. That's just phenomenal in itself. But I think it's going to be such a competitive game because even though Ipswich are first and Southampton are third, I think that's only due to Southampton having about five games in hand and they're about nine... They're only nine points off of, off of Ipswich and... Um, I think that's going to do massive things for the exposure of the game at that level. And I think, you know, obviously you just touched on and we won't go into it in massive detail, but I think, you know, the winners of that game are going to get £3,000. And for clubs like Ipswich and Southampton, that, that is means good money. That is a, that's a lot of money. And even the losers, I mean, you're walking away with 750 quid, which is probably your, your sandwiches for the day. But uh, but no, I think that's um, I think that's going to be a, a must-watch game. That's where I, that's what I'll be watching. I feel like you both both stolen my thunder. It's the exact game I was going to call because uh, <laughs> Soph and I are going to that one. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to that one. I also like. I'm really intrigued to see how Man United, Man City get on because I'd like to think Man United will have learned a lot from their recent game against Man City. Um, and I think both sides will see this competition as as something they want to win, like as winnable. Um, so I do think, and I'd like to think, it'll be a closer game. It was it was close last time, but I'd like to think United will give a little bit more in this one. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the Liverpool-Arsenal will be interesting to see how Liverpool get on against Arsenal. Um, I know obviously they've struggled. We've talked about their struggles over the last few months, but I also think they're starting to figure things out right now and they've got a little bit of momentum. It, 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 we'll see how they get on after the international break. But um, yeah, I'm keen to see how Liverpool get on against them. I think maybe they'll see it as an opportunity to get one over on them. Um, but I also saw, like, they played well against Spurs, Liverpool, and the Conti Cup. Um, Spurs were missing quite a few key players. But, um, yeah, I, I, I still think there's a gulf there. But I reckon Liverpool will fancy their chances. Yeah, I'm excited. And I, I, I agree with you. I think this competition could really kind of save City's season in terms of not making it a bit of a disappointment with the league. And and the and uh, well, obviously they got the Conti Cup final in a, in a week or so. But winning the FA Cup is a huge one. It's a competition they've done really well in. Obviously, won back to back editions as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this one. Um, what are you going to be up to, Chloe? You've got a rearranged fixture up north with your nemesis, Woo! Sunderland, and their up groundsman. North. Yeah, so second time's a charm. Is that what they say? Um, what yeah. time you got set off on Saturday? Because uh, she, she leaves tomorrow. It'll be Sunday like twelve morning. o'clock on Saturday. Um, so as long as uh, Sunderland don't tell us that the pitch is frozen again. We should be playing it. Um, Waterlogged though. We've had a lot of rain. We could have a waterlogged pitch. Yeah, I mean, Can you imagine another rearranged fixture. You... There I, is another storm. Can't. Storm Franklin. Storm Franklin. There's I another. Snap. I thought There's he was. Yes, coming. I thought he was Monday. Is he not coming soon? I thought he was Friday. Oh God. Too many storms. I'll check Sorry. his schedule. I'll check his schedule. Oh, God. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, maybe third time's a charm then for the Sunday game. <laughs> and you're going to be staying in a hotel Saturday night. 
Yeah, we will. I'll obviously let you know what the breakfast situation is. Yeah, we can is. do it. We can um, do a breakfast buffet comparison on next next. Do I need to video it tomorrow? Yeah, I want to. I want a TikTok video of the breakfast buffet. <laughs> I know the girls in the ball TikTok content. He's got to include some buffet action. Well, I think that the main thing is that you won't really get a real taste of it because whilst there might be bacon, eggs, beans, and the, the hash browns, there will be on porridge. So it's um, oh, lame. Yeah, oh. it's a bit. Um, we want and water. Oh God! Mm. Not even coffee. Oh, you can have a coffee. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. juice. Coffees are nice, but they're always from the machine, aren't they? It's yeah, they're the not same. great. Yeah, so. Anyway, uh, on next week's show, we're going to be comparing coffee and food. Um, mm. Rachel, you're obviously going to be in, at Molyneux uh, in Fingers Crossed, not the rain. I'm going to be in Molyneux. Um, I really hope I'm not going to be driving back in that rain too because it's not enjoyable. Um, any things you think we should look out for as well for the rest of the Arnold Clark Cup or uh, FA Cup ties as well? I mean, with the Honor Clark Cup, I think it's really exciting that it's still kind of all to play for. Three teams could still win it. I'm pretty sure Germany are, are out of it now. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. That's really exciting. And I still, having watched all the games, can't really call how it's going to go. I think England should beat Germany. And I think Spain might, if they continue improving, I think they might nick it on Canada. Um, which would really throw things up in the air for us. Uh, but yeah, they're the, the main ones I'm focusing on at the moment. I really can't look beyond the weekend because my brain will implode. Yeah, amen. Uh, well, that's it for today's episode of Upfront on Football Ramble Presents. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at Football Ramble, at Floyd Tweet for myself, at Girls on the Ball for Rachel or at Morgie underscore 89. And we'll see you all next week. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Acast and befaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skræt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.